upgrades off. I changed my mind. Well, um, well, you can't do that. Uh, I mean, a deal's a deal. I. I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further. to the Mad Max Minute presents Waterworld H2O Minutes at a Time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minutes 85 and 86, which begin with Helen in the lion's den and end with the drifter pulling a knife. Helen finds herself in a no-win situation. She has been strung out to dry, and as she makes this awful walk through the cabin, We can see the drifter in the background, and he's been so high energy these last couple of scenes, and to see him standing still like that, it's incredibly unnerving. Yes, and it occurs to me that this is the first time that Helen has gone below decks. So I'm betting she wishes that she had gone below before now, so that she actually knew what was down there and where things were, Mm -hmm. because she does seem to be scoping out the place. For weapons, which the place is filthy with weapons. Improvised and otherwise. Yeah. Back up on deck, you've got Enola. She's staring at the Mariner while he sits nearby. He's looking over the pages in the canister. And I like what Enola is doing here. She's not letting the Mariner enjoy his literature in peace. She is staring him down pretty much this entire time, even as she gets up and walks away. Like She keeps her eyes on him not letting him forget exactly what he's doing. It's hard to tell what actually works because we cut away from them. I feel like a little too soon, really. Yeah. And then the next time we see the Mariner, he's the f***ing white knight coming in to rescue her in the situation he put her in. You get the sense that Kevin Reynolds is trying to get the audience to be like, oh, look at him. He's having his second thoughts. Oh, no. This is one reason why I really, really, beyond anything else we've ever watched, hate this scene, is because the Mariner's being set up to be the savior. And I'm like, that is absolute bullshit. He's the one that did this. You don't get credit for saving the woman that you put in danger. Yeah, if you are, say, in a car, and you hit someone with your car, and then you hop out of your car and drive them to the hospital... Like, congratulations, you still hit someone with a car. Yeah, you brought them to the hospital, but you need to face consequences for that. Right. And the Mariner is never going to face consequences for this. Yep. Ducking down below deck, we see the drifter. He is chattering away like normal. He says half an hour, maybe like nine or ten times. And, oh, he does something that is incredibly frustrating whenever I hear it. He is... Looming up behind Helen like a malevolent force that he is. And he says, oh, you're so beautiful. Anyone ever told you that? And that phrase sticks in my brain like a needle because it is so presumptuous. Like, oh, yes, you are so original that you are thinking of the one thing to compliment this woman. No one has ever told her anything like that before. And, oh, you you're just such a good compliment giver. And it makes me gag. Yeah, it is pretty gross. 
I do want to address the half an hour thing. Like he says, I've only got half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour, half an hour. But then he says, it's been a while for me now. Guess it's been more than a while. I don't really think he needs to worry about the half hour time limit. <laughs> I don't think he needs half an hour. He's got a half an hour. What are they going to do with the other 29 and a half minutes? Uh, yeah. And, you know, if he were healthy and well fed half an hour all right you can do something with that but he's not this is a one and done one minute and done he doesn't need a half an hour i'm trying to think what is going to be more upsetting to hear talking about what we see in the movie or talking about how it's depicted in the book oh because my gosh is it worse in the book because it's really bad in the movie the drifter is a lot worse in what he says and the book takes something from Helen that she gets to do in the movie. So in the movie, Helen is standing there. Her back is to the drifter and she looks up at the wall and she grabs something in order to attack him, to keep him away from her. And it's a great moment. Unfortunately, because of proximity and area of the space they're fighting in, he's able to get his hand on her and keep her from doing any bodily harm. But it is a great moment for Helen to show that She's not succumbing to the situation. And that is excellent. In the book, here's how it goes out. We shift from the Mariner's point of view to Helen below deck. Helen faced the drifter in the cramped cabin. Don't take him off, he said, nodding to her tunic, approaching her. For what I paid, I'm going to rip him. She backed up. No need to get rough. I'm not going to fight as long as you... And he cuts her off, saying, shut up. His grin was yellow and green, like some awful strain of seaweed. You might as well know I plan on taking the little one, too. And then there's an ellipses. She grabbed a breath that might have turned into a scream, but the hatchway door yanked open, and the trimaran's captain dropped into the cabin in a shaft of sunlight. His face was expressionless, but his eyes were wild. The book takes away Helen fighting back. Yeah, the book makes it so much worse. Oh, absolutely. Because not only is she in this situation, she tries to, I guess calm him down she's placating him that's not the helen we know the helen we know doesn't placate people she fights yeah and that's the helen we get in the movie and going back to the movie the drifter has helen by the wrist and he takes the whatever she had grabbed as a weapon away from her and it's then that the mariner arrives and the drifter springs off of helen and perches on the bed next to the wall there and tries to explain himself, saying, oh, I, um, we was just playing. Helen obviously stands nearby. She's moving slowly away from him, trying to put some space there. But the Mariner, without any sort of explanation, just says, trades off, changed my mind. And the Drifter is confused by this, because I guess there's no takesies-backsies in Waterworld. I would imagine there is not. I would imagine once a trade is agreed upon, it's done. How else can you maintain a barter system unless you keep people from going back on their trades, right? Right. Exactly. Especially if it's, as you say, that the value of paper is what's written on it. Well, the Mariner read it, mm -hmm. so he gained the information. He's already consumed the value of the trade, so he can't give that back. He can't untrade that he has read those papers. So the Mariner takes the canister full of paper, tosses it at the drifter, and I love what Helen does here. She uses the distraction of the canister flying through the air and the drifter catching it to get to the doorway. Yes. She doesn't waste that opportunity. There is very clearly going to be a fight. 
She does not need to take part in it. No, certainly not. As much as I like the idea of Helen standing up for herself, which she did, her being in this position is through no fault or action of her own. She should not be responsible for fighting for herself. She should not have to bear that risk of getting hurt or getting killed. The Mariner should. Mm -hmm. He's the one that should bear that risk. So as much as I hate that he gets to play White Knight, it's his responsibility to because he put them in the situation. If anybody's going to get hurt by calling off this trade, it better be him and not her. Mm -hmm. And so we find ourselves in a bit of a standoff between the Mariner and the Drifter, with the Drifter being flabbergasted at the idea of a trade being called off and the Mariner having no sympathy for him being confused, saying, oh, you can't cancel the deal. No, I just canceled it. The deal is canceled. It's no longer there. The Drifter points at Helen and he says, she's mine. I won't have it. And the Mariner tells Helen, get out of here. Things are about to get messy. And the last thing we hear the Drifter say is, go, but don't go too far now. This won't take a minute. It's definitely setting up a fight scene. No doubt there. And they both have all the confidence in the world that they are going to win, which I find interesting coming from the Drifter because we know that he is malnourished. We know that he is crazy, but he still has all the confidence that he is going to win this fight. He's got all the confidence of a middle-aged white man. Yes, yes, he does. It's nice to see that some things don't change in the apocalypse, I guess. Right? (laughs) So in the book, the Mariner enters the scene, trades off, he said. The drifter turned and almost snarled his response. What? Why? I changed my mind. She moved quickly around the brute, getting behind her unlikely savior. Do I hear you right? The drifter said, his eyes narrow and hard, his face clenched like a fist. Do you? Trades off. You can't do that. Her champion tossed the bottle with its precious pages to the drifter and bit off the words, I just did. The drifter tossed the bottle aside and filled his hand with a gleaming knife. Well, I'm sorry, the drifter said, but I got my needs and I won't take no for an answer. Get out, her savior told Helen. Yeah, the drifter said, go on, move. Just don't go too far. This won't take long. Three times. Three times that book called him the savior. Yep. Her champion. That makes me sick. The drifter from the book is a lot scarier. Like I mentioned last week, it's the absence of him behaving like a clown. And I'm sure there are plenty of scary clowns. You've got it from Stephen King. You've got John Wayne Gacy. Like clowns can be scary, but when someone is deadly serious, like in the book, that's even worse. This guy is scary in a different way. His craziness makes him unpredictable. Mm. And that is a whole different kind of scary. Because the state of the world on Waterworld is unpredictable enough. Storms and pirates and smokers and slavers. But then when you find someone on your boat... That is an unknown quantity. Mm, Not good. Which is exactly what Helen was feeling last week. I'm having a hard time trying to think of a way to rewrite this scene to make it less awful. And I think I'd have to go back farther than this clip. Yeah, I think it's too late by this point. It would have needed to happen last week. Yeah, you can easily rewrite the scene where the Mariner just flat out rejects the offer of the trade. But from a storytelling perspective, why did it even need to be offered? Yeah, have this crazy guy come for trade, and it can still involve paper, it can still go south, it can still be full of tension, but it does not need to be 
misogynistic and the Mariner does not need to sell Helen for it to still be full of tension and for the piece of paper that eventually helps them solve the mystery to be handed off. Yeah. There are many other ways to fulfill those needs without being so gross about it. Rewinding to last week's minutes, I think you could have had a scene where the drifter is adamant about buying Enola, and he's trying to trade the pages, and in order to spark off a conflict here, you could have the drifter spring to his feet and grab Enola, turn it into a hostage situation. And I would fully expect at that point for Helen to do something. She has always done something in the past when Enola is directly threatened. I really like the idea of Helen taking things into her own hands and being successful. Mm -hmm. Because we just came off of Helen taking things into her own hands and causing a lot of damage. And being grossly unsuccessful. So it could have been a redeeming moment for her to be successful at something. Yeah. I realize that what I've got in my head would be another situation where, oh, there goes Helen saving Enola again like she did when Enola was drowning. But I would like to see the drifter in this situation. He grabs Enola. He's holding Enola hostage. He's moving slowly towards his own boat. You've got the mariner over here trying to rectify the situation because he's not just going to let him leave with Enola. And then... While you've got all of this heavy focus on the Mariner and the Drifter, Helen, like she did earlier in the movie, finds a spear gun over by the mast, and she straight up kills the Drifter in one shot. Yeah, I think Helen should have gotten to kill the Drifter, even in a scenario where she wasn't purchased by mm. the Drifter. Because there is an understanding amongst Drifters that once you go onto someone's boat and you start the trading thing and you're sharing hydro and whatnot, there is a mutual promise of safety. Helen is not a drifter. Helen's an atoller. Mm -hmm. She's willing to do whatever she can to protect someone like Enola. And so Helen, as the outsider in this situation, can take the drastic measures necessary to just end this guy before he has the opportunity to go too far. As soon as he makes his intentions clear enough to justify murder, as soon as he crosses that line, it needs to happen. And she has every right to kill him. And I, ah, yeah. Oh, you know what would have been interesting? So Helen just bought a fishing line. Yeah. A fishing rod oh, off like of the drift. Stab him with it. Stab him with it. Or maybe let some line out of the spool. Not necessarily that there's going to be a lot of fishing line on the reel. I don't reel. think there's any fishing line. But if there was but... some fishing line around the reel, having her come up behind the drifter because he's so focused on the mariner, thinking yeah. that that's the only threat, and she comes in, and you remember when we were talking about the yo-yo, which is secretly a garot cord, if she yes. comes up and she uses the fishing line as a garot cord, just slips that around his neck, and then hangs on his back with all of her weight and completely cuts off his air and chokes him out. Yes, that would have been excellent. I love the idea of using the thing that she got from trade from him as a weapon against him when he goes too far. On the one hand, you could say, oh, well, what if she just grabs her own necklace and uses that to choke him? Because it's he- It's not strong enough. Put it all around his For neck. sure. But fishing line is strong enough because fishing line needs to be strong enough to, you know, catch a fish. So it'd I be much more likely to be able to bear the weight of her- Enough to choke him. I 
looked at deep sea fishing rods for episode 41 and I didn't find enough worthwhile information to bring it up, but regular lake fishing rods don't have to stand up to nearly as much strain as deep sea fishing rods because you've got boats. If they're in trawling mode, they're going 17 some odd knots and you've got multi-pound weights that are pulling the bait down into the ocean to say nothing of the fish that you catch out at sea, which can go so far north of 50 pounds. Yeah. Those rods and reels have to be super tough. Part of the reason why I get so frustrated with people shore fishing at a beach where people are swimming and sunbathing, and I feel like there should be separate beaches for that, but that's beside the point entirely. Yeah, I really don't get that, why that's allowed. Bewilders me. Yeah. I want to comment on last week and this week's episodes that I got quite riled up, especially last week. Yeah. And as a response to my getting riled up, I do not want to hear any comments justifying these scenes because I know that there are those people out there who are like, oh, no, but it taught this and it accomplished this. No. Selling somebody else for your own gain is never a solution to any problem. It's never okay. And it's never okay to defend those people. So I do not want any comments on our Facebook group that these scenes and this incident was okay in any way. Yeah, this is a black mark against the Mariner. It is something that taints his entire participation in this movie. That's all I had to say about that. Yeah. I'm not sure what else we can say other than Helen deserved better. Yes. But I feel like that's partly a theme that runs through the entirety of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I do agree that there are many places where Helen deserves better. This is certainly on the top of that list, but it's not alone on that list. Mm-hmm. One of the many reasons why Mad Max is such a better character than the Mariner. Right, because women never get taken advantage of in the Mad Max movies. Oh, no, no. Women still get taken advantage of, but Max never sells a woman against her will. That's true. If Helen had tried to barter a deal with the Drifter on her own, I would have seen it as different, but I don't know what the Drifter would have had to prompt that sort of trade. Like, he didn't have food. Like, if he had food, that is something that Helen would see as worthy of a trade like this. Oh, what could the Drifter have had to prompt Helen to voluntarily trade? Well... At this point, she still thinks the Mariner knows where they're going. Mm -hmm. So my only answer would have been a map. But she doesn't think she needs a map. She thinks the Mariner knows where they're going. So not even that. Not even a map. So food, map, water, those are the only things that she needs. She doesn't know she needs a map. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be a while longer before Helen realizes just how little the Mariner actually knows. On that note, we're going to put a pin in things, so come back next time when the Trimoran will get a poor review, a knife fight will break out off-screen, and the Deacon will get strategic. The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. Waterworld was written by Peter Rader and David Tuohy, directed by Kevin Reynolds, and presented by Universal Pictures. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute. And like us on Facebook by searching MadMaxMinute and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. 
If you'd like to support the podcast, visit patreon.com slash madmaxmen. Thank you for joining us for Waterworld episode 43. We'll see you next time.